Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphomet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. Live on Alternative Talk 1150 KKNWAM in Seattle. I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Night Drift, presented by Euphomet. Coming to you tonight from Santa Monica, California. The northwest moss has dried from my back, but the salty air remains in my lungs as we plunge holding our breath deep into the unknown tonight, hoping, praying, that the devils inside us and the city of angels will come up for air and perhaps offer us a glimpse of its ghost. People see ghosts. What they are, where they're from, is anyone's guess. Or is it? Are we entering into a time where technology imparts answers for what a specter may be? A device in which can visualize them and interpret the veracity of their visitations? A specter vision? Well, no, not as a device. Not yet. However, specter vision is a film studio known for psychedelic horrors and paranormally-fueled feasts of the senses. In such films as Mandy and Color Out of Space, we see the ghosts all right. They're in our mind, in our heart, right in front of us like some arcane ritual of flickering light. Filmmaker, writer, producer, experiencer, partner at SpectreVision, Daniel Noah is here. And he's going to talk about these specters. His specters. My specters. The conversation you'll be hearing next was previously recorded. We were rushing to get this studio set up and didn't quite make it by airtime, so we rolled with what we had, which was something just recognizable as our voices in a room somewhere. Right after this, on Night Drift, presented by Euphemet. giant fireball flew over Los Angeles last night, and no one noticed but veteran Euphemet producer Tyler Davis Carey. We don't know where it landed, but a part of me thinks in Altadena, smashing into the mountainside watershed with an unceremonious sploosh, hiss, and sizzle, the tiny seams of the craggy space rock revealing the twisting of tentacles trying to break out. But alas, everyone here in Los Angeles wants to be a star. I'm Jim Perry, and this is Night Drift, presented by Euphemet. And our guest tonight, which you're about to hear in a very non-professional sounding setup, is Daniel Noah. Enjoy the conversation. Let your ears drift into that room with us. And our guest tonight is filmmaker Daniel Noah, a founding partner of Spectre Vision the award-winning production company behind horror titles such as A Girl Walks Home Alone and Mandy, and their most recent film, No Man of God. He is the co-host of the podcast, Visitations, with Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah. Daniel, my friend, thank you so much for joining me here today. Set up in a matter of minutes. <laughs> and also the producers on the other side of things. Um, we're doing it. We're broadcasting all over the West Coast. That's incredible. And the world. Incredible. In the universe. <laughs> Just like that meteor. Uh, let's let's get deep very quick. Okay. Straight away. How does it feel to experience what some may consider a ghost? It depends on, on the ghost, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> um, it is... Uh, I think your question is right. How does it feel? It is mostly a feeling when it happens. Mm. Um, uh, it, it, you know, I've never seen a ghost. Well, maybe <laughs> there, I mean, the, I think the one time that, that, uh, we saw something, uh, was, it was hard to know if I think the very act of seeing it made us doubt 
that it was a ghost. Oh, uh, if that makes sense, because yeah. it was so the, the 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 person that we saw was so clear and corporeal looking that we doubted we doubted if it was. But uh, but I think it's mostly a feeling, and it depends. Um, it depends on um, it depends on who or what you're encountering. You know, I'm, uh, I'm saying we because I've always been with other people when it's yeah. happened. Um, so the, fir- the first incident was a very positive feeling, a very warm feeling. Uh, that was at the Stanley Hotel, which I've talked to you about before. Yeah. The second at the Queen Mary was very toxic and dark and scary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's say the, the third time in Green Valley Lake was also very dark and very scary. Um, so it just depends. But it is one of those things where you do feel something changing in the atmosphere on a cellular level or like there's, you know, there's, I suppose someday we'll have instruments to measure these things in the same way that we have instruments to measure barometric pressure, which is something we can't see. And at the time we didn't know that it was even a thing. Right. And now we can have a little meter that tells us what it's doing. So, but, but, you know, until then we only have our bodies, (laughs) you know, to, to be that instrument and, and, one of the things that I try and practice is trusting that instrument uh, to to uh, to tell me when something's happening, sure. and and um, and to try and uh, as almost an experiment to believe it, uh, it, to lean into it, to not approach it with. Um, I find the term healthy skepticism to to be. Um, I don't think that skepticism is healthy. Mm, actually, interesting. <laughs> I think it's unhealthy. Yeah, I think it shuts out a lot of information that um, can be really eye opening. And I think that the phenomenon, as we call it, doesn't like skepticism and tends to steer clear of it, which yeah. only reinforces the the skepticism of the skeptic. It's, it's <laughs> this funny kind of game that right happens. Right. Well, that's what I thought was so uh, brilliant about every time we chat about these things is that uh, in addition to all of the experience that you have had and that you're very open about now, uh, you do also have opinions, <laughs> have some hot takes that yeah. developed uh, upon your, your, you know, your years of studying this. You know, I think let's reset for a second and just take us back to maybe the first time in your life where you felt that things could just be a little more strange than what we're told. Well, I think it would be the first time that I accepted it would be really more good because after that incident at the Stanley hotel, I started to look retroactively back at other incidents in my life that I'd been in denial about (laughs) and, and sort of replaying that tape with a new perspective. But the, the, um, the the incident at Stanley, which was um, I'm not going to go into in a lot of detail because we would burn the whole hour on it, but but uh, a, a sort of uh, Netflix uh, uh, you know description <laughs> style uh, of, of version would be that um, a, a group a, lar- a a surprisingly large group of witnesses were there for uh, a Ouija board experience in which I was one of four people on the planchette that, um, really defied explanation. And it, it, it you know, it, I, I had, to that point had been a total skeptic and was particularly skeptical about Ouija boards, which I was, yeah. And a horror film festival. Yeah, so, so you're surrounded by a lot of credited individuals that, yeah. that uh, you know, sort of their career is, yeah. uh, within tangentially within this realm. That's right. Yeah. So there, there was a Ouija board that was brought out at the Stanley and the Stanley hotel is, is in Estes park, Colorado. And it's the hotel it's purported to be one of the most haunted places in the world or structures in the world or something. Yeah. And it is um, the place where Stephen King had an experience that inspired him to write the shining. Um, so, and it's very dramatic. It, uh, it, it definitely is. Um, they're wearing it on their sleeve. Yeah. It's part of, it feels like it's part of how they are promoting themselves, which if you're a skeptic only (laughs) serves to you, Oh, well, this is an opportunistic thing on their part. Um, but there was a Ouija board brought out and, and the planchette did things that really defied physics in some ways. It it was the way that it was moving was, um, it, it didn't make any sense. And, Moreover, it was we were um, communicating with something, uh, a little girl who then 
sent us up to a different room in the hotel to meet her. And when we got there, there was, as chance would have it, unfortunately, because I think about this all the time that they had been there, there was another couple who, who just happened to be in that exact spot when we arrived who were uh, reacting to having just seen the ghost of a child in oh, front man. of the room that we had been sent to. And, oh, and I left that feeling like um, it, it, it would be for, for, for someone who had been a dedicated skeptic who, who had wedded myself to logic. I felt that I would be a hypocrite to write this off because it would be illogical <laughs> to write it off. And this is my issue with a lot of, it's going to be my issue with a lot of dedicated skeptics is that the gymnastics that they'll go through to avoid accepting the possibility of a paranormal explanation become ridiculous at a certain point. They become the, 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 um, the, the gymnastics that you have to do to explain what happened that night with the way the planchette was moving by itself and the, the, you know, the other couple and, and, you know, the kind of technology that would be required and the idea that the hotel hired actors and all these things is just right. at, at a certain point, it becomes uh, less credible than a real paranormal experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They have some incredible holographic technology that they're using. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you really do see these rabbit holes that extreme skeptics employ yeah. with, well, it's simply this and, Sometimes it's simply not. And it's well, something we can't explain. Exactly. And I think, and a, I think a, favorite, um, a, fra- a favorite approach of the skeptic is, well, could it have been fill in the blank, dust on the lens, okay, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I, what I always want to say is yes, and it also could have been a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> playing that game. <laughs> How often do these conversations happen now in your daily life? being that at one point in time you were a skeptic and yeah. now you have entered this different stage in your life over the last couple of years. Yeah. How often do these conversations happen? Well, in my household, they happen all the time <laughs> because um, Ariel and I are, um, it's a big, you know, central preoccupation of our, of our lives. Together. Your significant other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, it's, I think as I've had the courage to go be more outspoken about this stuff and, you know, big part of that being you and your show (laughs) um and which is very much driven by my feeling when i first realized what was happening uh, or when i first wrapped my head around what was happening that that i felt uh ashamed worried that i would be judged and had a difficult time finding people that i could look to to get information and you know it turns out actually that's largely in the world of podcasts right now yeah. and and uh publishing uh but it, it, you know i felt compelled to um try and lead by example and not be secretive about it and, yeah. to, and to be open about it and and i think you know i find that a little bit word gets out you know my professional life occasionally i'll i'll have a meeting with someone who'll say like hey you know i heard you're you heard you're into ghost stuff or whatever. And I've been actually pleasantly surprised at how people are excited to talk about it. Everyone wants to talk, talk about this stuff. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. It is fun. Yeah. And everybody has a story with skeptic or not. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you sent me a, a really interesting national geographic article earlier today oh, yeah. <laughs> where they purported that something like 40% of Americans believe in ghosts. And those are only the ones willing to admit it yeah. to themselves and to others, right? I imagine that the, the, the number is much higher yeah. in reality. I think so, yeah. Everyone has a story and they love talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I have the pleasure, as you mentioned, to do a feature on you. And it actually extended into two episodes, yeah. which was great. It's called The Glowing. People can check that out. I believe it's episodes 28 and 29. In that feature, you detailed a lot of stories and strange experiences. Mm-hmm. One of them you just recounted for us right there. But none of the stories you shared seemed to startle you as much as your experience on the Queen Mary. Yeah. And, and listen, it's a, it's a ship that's docked just miles away from here. Yeah. Uh, brooding, foreboding, empty, dark right now. It's yeah. a vessel for whatever may happen to it in the future. 
right now there's some ghosts potentially that, that are very lonely, <laughs> maybe very upset. Yeah. What did you experience that night in Long Beach? Well, again, I'll, I'll give you the TV guide version. Yeah, um, uh, but in, in essence, um, I was there with uh, some colleagues uh, because at that time we were talking about making a film about the Queen Mary, potentially even shooting parts of it off the Queen Mary. That never came to fruition. But um, so we sort of had free reign of the place. And let's just say we made a wrong turn <laughs> and ended up in the bowels of the ship. That, not the part where they take you on the ghost tour, but like the part where you're not supposed to be. Yeah. And um, there was a deafening banging sound and like a horror movie. And I, I'll interject to say that, that and, and, and this will come, what I'm about to say will eventually lead back to the topic that I said earlier for our agenda, which is Daffy Duck. Um, <laughs> uh, um, that one of the things that's so funny and puzzling about when these events happen is that they are riddled with horror cliches. Mm. It's something I noticed right away is there are things like, you know, oh, okay, really three knocks on the door. <laughs> um, and, and in this case, we like a classic horror movie had just uh, uh, wound our way through a series of corridors. And, and when we came to the dead end and tried to turn back, we couldn't find our way back. And this is, again, one of these things where you go, okay, well, I've seen that in a lot of horror films. I can't, you, you, you tell me that actually happened? And it did actually happen. Wow. And uh, so we, we were, we, we um, in trying to just find our way back to the proper public area of the hotel, which, which is, is hard to do. It is on the Queen Mary, particularly when you're down where you're not supposed to be. Um, we ended up um, in this, in the middle, like like a, a part of the ship that um, a, a giant open room that was down on the lowermost level. I don't know ship shipping terminology, but would be whatever the part is that were like the next thing is the ocean under you. And um, and we could tell that the banging was coming from that room, and we heard two men talking to each other and thought, okay. Now we know what's happening. There's some sort of construction project happening down here because there were bright flood lamps and we're going to get in trouble. But hey, you know what? At least we're going to find our way out of here. So um, we moved to enter that room to ask for help. And we all kind of simultaneously hesitated. And it was one of those cellular hair on the back of your neck feelings. Yeah. And we um, screwed on our courage and, and went into the room. And as we did, the voices stopped and the banging continued. And, um, and there was um, tied to the ceiling, spread eagle. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what it was. It was some sort of a, a corpse, like yeah. a... Like a um, I, I, I'm assuming not a real corpse. It right. looked very real. You've seen the right. photo. It does yeah. look real. Yeah. Um, tied up on, on rope, um, suspended from the ceiling, maybe, I don't know, 25, 30 feet in the air. Yeah. And, um, and the banging was continuing there. So um, then later that night, the, I was, um, you know, harassed in my room mm -hmm. by something that again bang, banged on the door violently. And my phone kept ringing and, um, so uh, later, um, uh, after nosing around a little bit on the ship, discovered that the room we had been in had only recently been opened up as part of a construction project, and um, and that other people on the staff had been hearing the banging and had been unclear about what it was. Um, on the night that uh, Joe Biden was elected, which would have been no, sorry, the night the returns came in, I don't remember. What night that was yeah. November 14th or right. something like yeah. that. Um, uh, I, I happened to, uh, to pull up an old episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Mm. And I went, oh, look, they did the Queen Mary. <laughs> cool. And this would have been, I think it might have even been the pilot episode or something. Yeah, so and so the very early. It was very early, yeah. And so they're talking about the Queen Mary and all the things, various things that have happened. And they suddenly do this little bit, it's like two or three minutes on the banging sound that would come from this 
particular area in the bowels of the ship and the two and the voices of the two men speaking to each other and they had a recording of it. And it was exactly what we had heard. And there's one little detail that I left out was that when we went back over it together, what we all realized is that the men had not been speaking English, but actually we couldn't identify the language. And, and that is exactly how it was described and broadcast on Unsolved Mysteries. So it was, you know, one of the things that happens with this stuff, and you, I hear people in interviews talking about this all the time, is that you have an experience, and then the further away you get from it, the more you start to start to doubt it. Right. You start to only remember your retelling of it. Yeah. Is the more you, it's like looking at a photo that replaces a memory. Mm-hmm. The more you tell a story, the, the less you can actually remember experiencing it. And so you start to doubt it, and you wonder if did I embellish this? Have I, you know, is it is it something that every time I tell it, I embellish it a little bit more, and now perverted it into something? And so I think I. When I heard, saw that unsolved mysteries, it was like, okay, I'm not crazy. This really happened, and, and other people have experienced it, and someone even got a document. Yeah. Well, right away, I mean, once I saw that uh, that skeleton that you yeah. sent me, whether it was fake or whatever else, you know, it, it felt like corroborating evidence to me because essentially, in situations like that, in my experience, uh, those things will be put up almost as modern totems mm. to the lore of oh, what right. has happened by right. those people that work there. Right. And so over the years, these stories happen. Hey, Barney saw this thing. Hey, Harry, isn't this crazy? Hey, look who's up there. It's, it's a part of that, like sort of inner folklore of those places. And I think um, that's maybe what that was there. was like, Hey, it could be, it could be fascinating. I mean, uh, I think it was uh, important for you to tell the end of that story because that's a part we never got to on your view. It's true because it hadn't happened yet. Hadn't happened yeah. yet. I mean, I think the other thing that hadn't happened was the, if I remember correctly, was the those photos that we looked at later where there, when we went into the quote unquote most haunted room on the ship yeah. and took a bunch of pictures. And it was late, much, much later that we went back and noticed that there was a, a, like an ectoplasmic hand yeah. in the corner of a couple of the photos that looked like a skeleton hammock. Oh you can see it, it's it's plain as day when you yeah. look at the pictures. Do you mind if we share some of that with the audience? No, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. 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 We'll we'll share it on Instagram on the Instagram post and so you folks can look at it. So we're here with Daniel Noah talking about uh, some of his experiences. Um, we will probably be talking a little bit about filmmaking and the paranormal and ghosts on Night Drift with Jim Perry. And I and I want you to know um you can call in and share your story with us at 425-373-5527 and toll free in Western Washington, 888-298-KKNW. The Stanley Hotel, of course, is a place that granted you a, a pretty weird story. That's also a place that you would be interested in going back yeah. and seeing if you could have more experiences. Yeah. Well, I'd love to. I have a very warm feeling about that place. And part of it is, of course, to see if you have more experiences. Um, uh, but yeah, I would, I, I would love to go back to this. Isn't that a part of this kind of wretched curse? That maybe it's a delightful curse. Maybe that's a wrong way to phrase it. But as you mentioned, uh, the, the, the longer you go without having an experience, yeah. it's almost as if you tap out. And it's almost as if uh, these memories only become stories. Yeah. And you almost need to go back out to, to have it reconfirmed all over again. Yes. Once is never enough. Yeah. Can you explain like how that feels to you? And is there anything that you do maybe on the regular to help uh, make you feel better in that situation? Or do you feel like you're like me uh, can kind of lose those memories? So to, so to say to story. I think when it's part what you're talking about to me is part and parcel, part and parcel to the doubt. Yeah. Like, did this, did I, am I making this up? Did I invent the memory because it's fun and it's a good party trick? Um, but I, I, I then come back to the things that are irrefutable, the, 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 the elements of these experiences where other people were there or there was something was recorded audio or video. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, look at them and I go, I'm not crazy. This happened. There's a picture of it. There's, you know, there was 15 other people in the room. It's, <laughs> um, it's, it, 
Um, but uh, what I, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, but the, the, um, the idea that the, then this is all stolen from John Keel, the, who probably stole it from Jacques Collet, who stole it from someone else, but is that the brain is a receiver and that it is only tuned in to um, a very narrow frequency. And they're coming for us. We're talking, telling too much truth. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> um, uh, but that, as John Keel says, a small percentage of us, um, I think he says 10%, uh, I have access to a slightly broader uh, frequency on the dial, so to speak. And right. those are the people that are called sensitives or clairvoyants or what have you, um, which I increasingly find to be not totally productive or constructive language because mm-hmm. it makes it seem like there's something... The, the word clairvoyant suggests that um, there's something supernatural happening. I don't even find the, the word supernatural to be helpful. Uh, you know, it's that it's see hot takes. Hot let's takes. go into that. Let's, <laughs> let's break that down. What, what, what bothers you about supernatural? Well, it suggests that, that someone has superpowers when in fact, I think what's happening is that most people have limited powers. So the people that are called clairvoyants are just, they might just have a slightly greater access to the information that's out there, the data that's out there. If we have only our five senses, right. To deal with, what's happening around us. And, and um, it, it's ludicrous to think that, that, uh, see, so hopefully I can remember all of them, sight, uh, uh, sound, touch, <laughs> taste, and uh, what would be the fifth? I already, I'm oh, still vision, vision. The yeah, sight. <laughs> uh, I think they got, they got that. Um, it's, 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 it's absurd for, for us to think that, that those are the, that those five senses are the only senses, right? And in the term, the sixth sense, what does that even mean? You know, that's, that, that, you know, that that's what you say about someone who's quote unquote psychic, but it's, I, I just I'm trying to think of a good analogy. It, it's, um, um, it would be like a TV that, um, that is, um, it's broken. And it can only get three channels right. out of a thousand. Yeah. And when it picks up two extra signals, they say it's a super TV. Yeah. But it isn't. Right. It's a broken TV. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think that's why I find, I also find, you know, I think words are tremendously important. I'm a writer. I can't help it. But I think words have, they have a tremendous influence on the way that we contextualize things for ourselves. When we hear words, I think words need to be chosen very carefully. I also, to get really kind of, um, um, frou-frou about it. I think words also have like a power to them uh, beyond intellectual content. I think, you know, word, there's a reason why words are chanted to invoke things. And there's a vibration that comes off words and, um, so, uh, you know, I think using words like supernatural and clairvoyant, and it, 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 it makes it too easy to dismiss right. important ideas. Right. And, and, uh, so I don't like them. I don't remember where we, how we got here. Where, 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 where did, what, what matter. exit did we take? Yeah, we just took the exit. We're running from the cops right now. We're actually uh, going to go to the phone lines right now. I told Daniel earlier today that I have a phone plant. So uh, <laughs> we're going to go to Matthew in Nashville, Indiana. Matthew, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. How are you, gentlemen? Very good. It's it's great to hear your voice. Uh, you know, you've met listeners are going to hear a, a lot more of of that voice here soon. Was something that, uh, that that I had the pleasure of spending some time with you and working on. And uh, I thought it would be great for you to chime in here. Night Drift listeners obviously are familiar with you for an appearance on the show uh, sometime last year. And uh, you are uh, a, a, a ITC researcher, I think would maybe be the best way to describe or an explorer of ITC research. How, how would you describe yourself and how are you doing at night? I, I, I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk to both of you. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say um, I'm a searcher of sorts, and typically I've always relied more on the 
audio side of things that seems to be what you know really kind of gets me excited but you know and 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 the theme of tonight's show i have had a couple of visual experiences that are pretty mind-blowing but uh yeah i mean uh paranormal investigator someone that tries to you know i've i've tried to connect uh you know tragic uh, history to uh haunted claims and i've been to uh, tons of different locations and have uh, met made and met, uh, met some incredible people and made some incredible friends along the way so i'm um uh, it's it's me you know, i'm pretty excited to be a part of the community really Fantastic, man. I'm, I'm glad you're doing good down there. Uh, say, I, I wonder if uh, you have any uh, thoughts or questions um, or ideas for uh, some of Daniel's stories and some of these experiences that he had from a perspective of a paranormal investigator. Well, you, you know, when it comes to like the visual sighting, I mean, it's just so rare and so unusual for something like that to happen. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's ever prepared for it. And, you know, along the lines of what he was saying, after you have something like that happen to you, you almost immediately start to, you know, backtrack it in your mind and, and question mm-hmm. yourself. And, and the, the memory of everything gets really, 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 uh, strange, you know, and you're like, how much of it is, am I truly remembering what happened or how much am I like feeding this thing? Uh, so I, I really identified personally what he was saying because you know, the first <laughs> couple times that I had that experience, I mean, I, I really felt the more I told it, the crazier I was. <laughs> and, oh, and you know, the first time I saw something, I re- it was a long time before I even told people because it just uh, seems so, you know, almost ridiculous to me. And, and I, I just, I second guess every second of it. Yeah. And Daniel, it's kind of easy to happen, right? Especially when you're a creative person sometimes Mm -hmm. to, uh, I don't know. Sometimes that's the first thing I think other people may say, Oh, you have a great imagination. (laughs) God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tricky. And, uh, you know, and, and, um, it's very, it's very easy to doubt it. Um, it, it, you know, I want, there's a, uh, I wanted to maybe tell the story of what happened in Joshua tree recently, which I know you would mention was something that I don't think I've talked about yet yeah. um, on a microphone. Let's, let's talk about that if you want. Yeah. Let's, let's save that for after the break okay, sure, sure. and we'll talk about that. And I have some questions, uh, for both of you, Matthew, are you okay to stay on with us for a little while? Oh yeah, I, I can definitely hang out. Uh, I have and, to say though, I'm hearing like some uh, some lady talk in the background, and I don't know, I don't know what that is. Probably the ghost. I, I don't know. You tell me, Matthew. <laughs> is this an ITC kind of thing going on here? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I should turn off my ghost boxes before I, I call in. I know. Yeah, uh, no, I, I like that old thing with, like, uh, with conversation with going. Coast. You know, when, when Art would have to tell people, like, please turn down your radio. That's uh, please turn down your spirit box, sir. <laughs> okay, everyone. Exactly. Uh, you, you are listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry, and we are taking your calls. As you can see, have you had an encounter? Let us know. And keep listening to Night Drift here on Alternative Talk 1150 and KKNWC. deeper into the night. Jim Perry is taking your calls at 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-KKNW-5569. What's better on a chilly fall night than curling up in front of the TV for a great scary movie? And nobody has a better collection of horror, thriller, and the supernatural than Shudder, the best streaming service for horror. Shudder is the exclusive home for found footage hit VHS 94, a Shudder original. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes must-see titles like Vicious Fun, The Mortuary Collection, and PG, Psycho Goreman. Plus, all the best horror documentaries and the hit Creepshow TV series from executive producer Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead. And thanks to AMC Network Shudder, UFMet listeners can watch all of that and more 
for free right after you finish this episode. To try Shudder for free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use promo code Euphemet. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com, promo code Euphemet. Binge the latest seasons of Creepshow and Slasher, both exclusively on Shudder. Catch new episodes of drag competition show The Belay Brothers' Dragula and new docuseries Behind the Monsters on the origins and pop culture dominance of your favorite modern movie monsters. I watch on my Apple TV with some stove-popped popcorn and throw it all up in the air with every jump scare that happens. It's not too hard to get into what you're watching on Shudder. New exclusives this month include Nicolas Cage in Prisoners of Ghostland and Killer Shark movie Great White. You can watch those films and more for free right after you finish this episode. New stuff is added weekly. It's just $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. But you can try Shudder for free for 30 days and help support Euphemet while you're at it. Just go to Shudder.com, S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com, and use promo code Euphemet. of the Cascades to the rest of the world. Lines are open. Call 425-373-5527 or toll free in Western Washington, 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-KKNW. We're back here with Daniel Noah. And you can go back and listen to his Euphemia features in the podcast feed. Look for episodes 28 and 29, The Glowing, and if you want more Night Drift, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please follow, rate, and review. And don't forget to subscribe to you from that while you're at it. That's E-U-P-H-O-M-E-T. For more information, visit youfromet.com. And next week, this program comes to you from rural Ohio. I'll be at the old Post Town School as part of Ryan Singer's comedy special. And you can, too. Join us on Saturday, October October? That's not a real thing. <laughs> Saturday, October 23rd at 7 p.m. You can get the tickets right now at rangsinger.com. Rangsingercomedy.com. I'll be gathering tape all weekend while there and presenting a very special uh, episode for you next Sunday. That's next week, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, here on Alternative Talk, 1150 KKNWAN, and stream worldwide at usenet.com. Tonight, however, we're here in Los Angeles with filmmaker Daniel Noah, his film company, with partner Elijah Wood. Spectre Vision makes chilling displays of horror, a glimpse into a psychedelic paranormal reality. Daniel, as heard on his use on that features, is an experiencer himself of visitations of sorts. Daniel, I wonder, do you feel filmmakers have a responsibility to not just be influenced by the stories of experiencers, but to somehow share some truth about them? Yes, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> well, and, and for many people who make uh, tell stories, fiction, um, when in doubt, go to the truth. That's always, you know, how, how, how do we make this decision? How do we, what choice do we make here? That what I always say is, well, let's, how does it really work? Let's look at how it really works, whether that's about the way, um, uh, a car engine works or the way that a encounter with the ghost works. Let's, let's go, let's go to the truth. And, and I have, I've found myself um, struggling at times with um, projects that come into us that are on subjects. I happen to know a bit about in the realm of the paranormal that are not accurate <laughs> representations. And it's a funny conundrum to be in because yeah. that shouldn't, be a problem. I mean, <laughs> the question should be: Is this entertaining? Is this? A, but what I've come to wrap my head around is that I think that we may not realize when we're making things, or maybe we do, um, that we are tapping into some greater reality, some greater truth. And and I think most artists will tell you that when they're in the zone, when they're experiencing flow, it's not them. It's not their ideas. It's not, I, I, the phrase that I love to use is um, when you're making art or when you're writing or when you're, when you're making a podcast or writing music, you're transcribing the angel. 
else, mm. right? It's not you. Wow. Yeah. It's not you. It's um, you are simply a vessel through which a thing is passing through. So where is that coming from, right? That becomes the interesting question. When I look back at the work that we did at SpectreVision before I wrap my head around being an experiencer, I'm surprised to see that I had already been, I mean, speaking for myself, leaning into a lot of the ideas that I later came to understand were the way things really work. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it begs an important question. Do, did that come from within or did it come from without? And, yes. and I don't know the answer, but I'd like to say humbly that it came from without, right? That it would, that, 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 and again, I'm, I, I, it's, I, I think it's generally a sin to use the word I, when you're talking about making art, you always want to say we, but I am using the word I, cause I don't want to speak for anyone else. Right. I think when, it, when, when I made the choices that I made as a part of a team on films that, that I worked on, I look back and I go, um, I think I had this, th- I think that, that there was some idea that was passing through me that I only came to understand intellectually years later. And, and that's incredibly interesting phenomenon mm. in and of itself. Yeah. Um, we're also here with Matthew Jackson, paranormal investigator based in Indiana. Matthew, are you still on the line with us here? I am. Fantastic. Uh, listen, I got to ask you, it, you know, with your work with paranormal investigation, how has the perception or how uh, paranormal phenomenon has been displayed through media affected negatively or positively your work with ghost investigation and dealing with uh, potentially a residential case or even just your own work? Well, uh, you know, when it comes to residential cases, you pick up really quick when you've uh, spoken to someone if they're a fan of uh, paranormal, you know, TV shows, ghost hunting shows, and stuff like that, because uh, it's like they know too much without really knowing anything that they're talking about, you know, as far as mm. like, you know, methodology or like equipment that you might be carrying with you that they want to see and so forth. And I think a lot of those shows have built like an unreal expectation for what that type of uh, work or the type of help that you might want to facilitate someone, uh, you know, with. So, you know, unfortunately it, 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 it's, and I think it's definitely put a, um, an unreal expectation in people's minds, but at the same time, it's also raised awareness that that type of thing even exists. So, I mean, there, there's good and bad, I think, with both of that, you know? Yeah, I experienced that with my work. Uh, there's right. folks that uh, will share stories that uh, potentially are something from TV on occasion. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you're right. It is as if it's signal boosting and, uh, you know, depending on where the wind blows and which direction, uh, it's whether it's negative or positive. It, it, Daniel, one of the things I think I'd like to get into Joshua tree in a second here, sure. before we leave that, just this idea, are paranormal theme stories, could, could they be messages yes. from the phenomenon yes. and then, you know, sort of we sort them out into media or investigation or whatever that may be? I believe they are. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, there's, I, I, I'm getting into a kooky place where I'm starting to, I maybe believe too much, you know, but I, I, it's, it's because of this, um, this, experience that I've had of, of encountering these literary cliches over and over again in, 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 in actual phenomena that are happening, then, then I'm starting to go, okay, well, if, if there is sort of a one-to-one relationship for me, it's primarily been go, ghost experiences. Um, and, and the, they've unfolded like they were written by Shirley Jackson or Henry James. And I, and I, and so that it's so that it makes me wonder were they channeling? Right. Were they experiencers? Were, you know, were they transcribing the same angels that we're all transcribing? Right. And then when you start to look at the most enduring myths in paranormal or in supernatural literature and film, it's, it's hard not to wonder, does that one-to-one relationship exist elsewhere? You know, so yes. what are the most enduring, um, uh, 
you know, supernatural uh, characters as vampires, there's werewolves, there's ghosts, there's cryptids, right? Um, uh, back in my in an earlier part of my life, when I only looked at these things through the lens of literature, I, you know, it's, I'm sure we can find 156,000 college theses about why, you know, what is the enduring myth of the vampire about? It's yeah. about the expression of repressed sexuality and desire to live forever. And, all the, and it is those things. It is all those things for sure. But um, am I saying vampires exist? I don't know. I, you know, it seems ludicrous, but maybe there's something like that that exists. Depends on how you judge it. Exactly. Uh, You know, I mean, do do I believe that werewolf, you know, there's somebody running around being like, I can't be under the light of the full moon or I'll turn into a a werewolf or a wolfman? No, but when you learn about skinwalkers, you start to wonder, is this the werewolf? Is it, it, so, I, you know, I, I, I know how kooky all this stuff sounds, but it's, it's, you know, when you start pulling that thread, you realize that it just keeps going and going and going. In terms of werewolves, it really depends on what Reddit board you find yourself in. <laughs> say. Matthew, I'd love to bring you in here. You know, can you comment a little bit about your experience with evidence that seems just too on the nose or too good or too out of a film. How often do you experience that? And is, you know, is the, how do you deal with that essentially? It's always been puzzling to me because, you know, even if you go back and you watch, you know, I'm sure some of the old like uh, Warner Brothers uh, cartoons or uh, probably even the Three Stooges, anything that might involve like a haunted house, the most cliche response that you could ever hear from a quote unquote ghost is get out. And if I had a mm. dollar for every time I got an EVP that said get out or a, a catch that came across an ITC device that said get out, I mean, I'd be a very, very wealthy investigator. <laughs> and, 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 and it always, you know, makes me wonder. It's like, why is it always that? I mean, is there really this like territorial presence? Is that where that comes from? Or is it the expectation uh, that they think that's what they're supposed to do because we anticipate it, you know? So I I definitely have gone round and round with that. And, you know, I've tried to always steer my line of, of conversation when I do my sessions to avoid anything that can be answered with a get out or a yes or a no, just to try to draw more out or to, uh, you know, try to rock the paranormal trickster back on its heels a little bit, you know, <laughs> and try yeah. to flesh a little, a little bit more out. So it, it, it's frustrating, but at this time I'm, I'm pretty used to it. I want to ask you guys both this question. What do you, let's see, Daniel, we'll start with you. Do you think a belief in the paranormal is required to fully experience it? Great question. No, I don't. But I think that when you do believe, it's more apt to happen. That, that the more you take it seriously, the more you look at it, the more it looks back. That has been my experience. And, and um, with, uh, I've told you before that I have this theory that um, paranormal is, has a, an allergy to pavement. <laughs> I've just I've noticed that when I get out of the city, that there's, it seems to be a lot more prevalent <laughs> and it's not to say it doesn't happen in the city, but, um, but the, but there's definitely a higher volume of incidents every time we leave the city. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think at the beginning for, for Ariel, you know, when we started to, this became a part of our, our lives, when we would go on these trips, you know, we'd be like, I hope something happens. It's really interesting when something happens, but I, I think now it's the question is more: Are we going to invoke something? Right, because right. it seems to be almost a hundred percent of the time. Right, when we, when we ask for it, it happens. Um, sometimes, you know, in, in a more pronounced way, sometimes more subtle. Uh, but yes, I do absolutely believe that the more you are open, the more that it happens. But to take myself as an example, I was an incredible skeptic, uh, and and something happened that just slap me into awareness uh matthew in about 30 seconds do you think belief in paranormal is required 
No. And I, I think that when you don't believe in the paranormal and that experience slaps you in the face, it's much more powerful than any experience you'll probably have after you actually believe in it. Um, so that's, that's been my personal experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another question based on this line of questions, do you think belief in the paranormal is required to make good paranormal fiction? <laughs> we could do another hour on this. <laughs> you know, it's been on my mind a lot. Um, uh, well, we, we should revisit this. I got permission from my friend, Mike Flanagan, who is a brilliant author of horror uh, film and television to speak about his skepticism. I was texting with him earlier today and I said to him, I said, I think that you are a profound clairvoyant who's in deep denial about it. Um, because, <laughs> he wouldn't be the first one. I know. Yeah. Well, I was one, you know? Um, uh, so um, I think that um, I, I think that most people who are telling powerful stories of the paranormal in ways that resonate, I do believe that they are tapped in. I think my experience, because this is one of my favorite questions to ask my peers, are you do you believe or do you not in the horror communities? It's about 50, 50. Mm. But I would say about a hundred percent of them probably are, <laughs> are actually are on the spectrum, so to speak. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great place to leave this here tonight. Uh, Matthew Jackson has joined us as a ghost investigator. He's joined me and Daniel Noah, filmmaker, uh, partner at Spectre Vision here in studio and, Santa Monica, California. Matthew Jackson, where can people find your stuff? Uh, com is the best way to connect with me. So I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, nice to meet you, uh, uh, Daniel. Nice to meet you as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And uh, we're going to talk to you soon. And Daniel, where, where should people find your stuff? Um, a lot of it's on Shutter. I noticed your sponsors. I know those guys. Use promo code <laughs> Euphemet, please, and then watch all of Spectre Vision's catalog. Essentially, thank you so much for joining us, Thanks again, for Daniel. Me. And uh, I can't wait to have you on again. I'm sorry we didn't get to Joshua Tree, but uh, next time we will. And you were listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry, and we were talking. We were talking about ghosts. We were talking about belief. Uh, you are listening to it here on Alternative Talk KKNW 11:50 AM Seattle the show anytime on its podcast feed so next time keep looking up follow night drift with jim perry on spotify and subscribe on apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of night drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes <laughs>